welcome to episode three of the Pyramid Podcast. Today we are going to chat with an Armada legend. Uh, with me today, I got a couple people, and just like a Coach Tommy K uh, rotation, where we got to rotate the squad. So with me is Armada supporter Brian. Hey, that's me. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at GZJax. Also with me is the artsy English fellow behind a lot of our work. Good evening, gents. Thanks for having me. And today with us is the legend, the guy who wears number one through 11 and all the subs. He is the coach of the Jacksonville Armada, director of the JFC Boys, and also Girl Dad as well. With me is uh, Coach Tommy Krasanovich. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, Tommy. And I'm going to let James jump off. Yeah, hiya, Tommy. Cheers for uh, coming on tonight. Um, I just wanted to touch on uh, this because not many people are familiar with your, your origins. Um, so I'd just like you to be able to touch on your, your humble beginnings, so to speak, uh, before you, you transitioned across the pond like myself. Uh, just touch on a little bit of your upbringing, if you will, please. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, where to start? So I've come over to the States as a refugee. Um, actually, and um, have been here since 1999. Um, I'm going to try to make a long story really short. Um, uh, war broke out back home in Croatia, and um, I think I was about five or so. We we left to go to Germany, stayed in Germany about 10 years or so, and then um, extended our stay in Germany, and were asked to, to, to return back to Croatia to probably nothing, right? So... An opportunity came about where we were able to come um, apply for a uh, uh, status, a uh, refugee status with, through the embassy at United States Embassy. And um, so we did. My parents did. And um, actually, you guys, I'm not sure if you guys know the story, but um, we, I was in Germany. We received a letter of uh, admittance. And on the bo- at the bottom of the letter, it said, um, you will be heading to Columbus, Ohio. And we looked at the letter and my dad said, why, why are we going to Columbia? I don't understand what's going on. And um, I said, yeah, you know what? I've never heard of this place either. So where should we go? And um, on the bottom, if you kept reading it, uh, the next sentence said, if you wish, um, if, you, if you prefer to go somewhere else or have relatives somewhere, please um, list that place on, on the bottom by, by typing it in here. And <laughs> so this is funny. So we were watching uh, uh, TV in Germany, and it just so happened that the German national team was playing the U.S. national team um, in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, we're like, well, hold on. They're playing soccer over there. Where is this? And it was in the uh, old Ultra Stadium, what, what is now TIA Bank. Uh, stadium and so we were like well they must be playing soccer over there why don't we go there and funny enough we ended up having some relatives here as well well distant relatives but relatives still um never nevertheless and and um yeah we we put jackson florida down on the paper and returned it to the embassy they said approved and we we get here in 1999 of september how old were you at the time 14 i was 14 i was um I just finished eighth grade in Germany, so I was becoming a freshman, high school freshman. 
And Tommy, um, how were them first uh, couple of years in the U.S.? Because obviously uh, you spoke your native language. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, you also spoke German, but you didn't speak much English at the time, did you? So how was that? Uh, literally going to school and not not speaking the the native language. Yeah, it was really interesting, and 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 I'll be honest. I think um, you know Jacksonville. You you don't think Jacksonville is such a diverse community, but it actually is. Um, and I've like I've started my my school really just a week later um, at Inglewood High School, and not knowing any English. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the teachers at Inglewood, um, the students there as well, um, because they were all from from different places, different backgrounds. Um, Inglewood has an ESOL program. Um, which was great, uh, but yeah, they were really receptive. I did, for example, I did one time. I did an essay in German, and everyone applauded. No one knew German, but everyone applauded and thought it was great. And that's, I did too, so I got an A for it, which is great. Um, but no, it was, it was it was very you know we were very well received. I mean, you always had your ups and downs. You had your pros and cons as well. And when you have, um, there were quite a quite a quite a few refugees um, from around the same area and. You know, it's easier when you have um, people from where you're from, you know, land in the same spot and, you know, when everything's different. But it also can be tough because you don't get to speak English all the time. You end up speaking your native language more than you sh the more you're speaking English. And so it takes you a lot longer to adapt, you know. Um, but I think reflecting on it, you know, thinking about um, some, you know, the, the the students the the peers the, the the people that were there were all there for similar reasons and you know ended up surviving and uh you know whether it was a war whether it was whatever that may be um and and yeah and and you know adaptation wasn't hard um, in the end in the long run so Nice. So it's a uh, so you you were playing at Inglewood. So you played soccer there for entire high school. You're kind of a star there, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say star, but I I thoroughly enjoyed playing there. And we had a really good group um, players from so many different backgrounds. From you know players from Europe, players from South America, players from Africa, players from Asia. I mean, all over the world, and it's probably like a 24-man roster with, you know, you know, no one, no one from from a place more than two or three people, right? And so, um, really enjoyed it. Played four years there. You played club club soccer simultaneously, but you never. We didn't have anything set up like we do now um, with 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 the MLS Next and what 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 previously was the development academy. Um, so high school was kind of the outlet, um, club soccer outside of high school season. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Made it a lot of good, really, really good friends. Um, just the, the school was really supportive as well. Um, and was able to attain a college scholarship, um, later going to Jackson University. So Tommy, about that, Jacksonville University. You know, of course, it being the local school. Did you have other opportunities that you could have played elsewhere? Were you interested in doing that? 
<laughs> yeah, I did. I uh, people that know me actually know why I never went anywhere else but Jackson University is because we had been moving so much. I think uh, as a family and here and there, when I was given other opportunities to go somewhere else um, outside of the state, even um, my family said, "Yeah, we're, wherever you move, we'll move with you." And uh, having moved so much, I, I just decided, you know what, you don't need to. Well, I'll just stay right here. JU is, seems like a really good spot. Um, and I want to build a home here. And, and, and I think that made it probably easier on my family not having to move. But uh, it ended up being definitely the right decision. That's great. Um, you know, and obviously you, you must have had a, quite a good career at, at JU through college and playing. Because as we know, you were drafted in 2007 MLS draft. Uh, FC Dallas had selected you to start a professional career there. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you uh, with FC Dallas? It was, it was surreal at the, at the time. I mean, not really knowing what the system or how the system works. Even even the combine um, my. My junior and my senior year, I was the NCAA uh, leading goal scorer. So I heard that I'd possibly be able to get into the draft, um, into, sorry, into the combine. And yeah, and so I, I forget exactly what time frame it was. I, I believe it was uh, around November that I found out I was able to go to the combine. And from there, everything happened really fast. You know, I, you know, I, I was... Um, I was just kind of staying in shape, staying fit. Um, the MLS organization reached out. Hey, you're going to combine. Here's a ticket. Here's where you're staying with the hotel. Um, got there. 70 plus players, I think it was at the time. It was four teams of four teams of 18 um, with with four leading coaches. Um, great experience as far as you know professionalism and really getting to see what you know finally what a professional goes through on a daily basis. Um, you know, going through testing, uh, physical fitness, um, strength, and then obviously the game. And I guess uh, I guess I did okay. I, FC Dallas liked the way I played, and at the time it was uh, Steve Morrow was the coach. Um, I didn't expect I was going to be drafted by Dallas. I was told I was probably be going to be picked up by either Columbus Crew or New England, um, and I guess. Dallas ended up picking me first, maybe, and yeah, they called. They said, "Hey, uh, we just want to make sure you have a you have a green card, so you wouldn't count against an international roster spot." And I said, "Yep." And so they, so they said, "Perfect. Why don't you um, pack up your bags and and come to Dallas?" And so so I did. Um, went through preseason, um, signed the contract, and and, and again. Through the game, you make so many you meet so many different people from different backgrounds, and to this day that I still connect with and and even work with, right? Um, that sometimes you even end up in the same location as you. So, really, really cool experience. So you're then, there for about a year, um, and then you went off to Germany, right? Correct. Well, actually, I went back to Ju first. Um, I had about nine credits, three classes left to finish up to get my degree. Um, and so I had an option to go um, sign somewhere else. Um, I had an option to go sign at Real Salt Lake. Uh, Jason Kreis had just become the, the head coach there. And 
had called me and said, hey, listen, I'll give you the same same deal, same contract, and um, why don't you go ahead and instead of go back to Jackson, why don't you come drive $16 to Salt Lake? And and I'll be honest, I told him I'd, I'd think about it, but at the time, the MLS was, was well, everything was great, but the contracts and the, the budgets weren't nearly as, as probably good as they are now. You, you, you wouldn't be able to make a living off of, um, you, you, you know, if I didn't have roommates and, and I didn't have support, it would be really tough, right? So <clears throat> I decided, you know what, I'm going to finish my degree. I'm going to go. I called Jason back and I said, hey, you know, think about what you would do in this situation. And, and, and I'm pretty sure you'd probably make the same decision as I. Um, I get you have to do a job, but um, I think for me, what's best right now is finish my degree. So I have something even after the game, even after after soccer that I can fall back on. Um, and so I did. And then once I finished my degree, I went over to Germany, um, went to a few places, um, was a bit late getting there, but um, ended up playing in the Oberliga with uh, with a with a club called Offenburg. Um, great people, great organization, um, great memories, and uh, I was also able to be with some of my family that ended up staying in Germany or was able to stay in Germany. So that was so it was, it was a little bit easier for me. Um, but something had took part at home that kind of made me, or not made me, but I decided to have to come back home and to Jacksonville. And so I did, and I, I don't regret that decision at all, but I did. It was the right thing for the family and, and, um, uh, ended up staying and I thought I was done, um, and started coaching. So you started coaching around the same time you started playing with the Jacksonville United then? Yeah, so 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 I actually started I actually started coaching before Jacksonville United. Um and 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 actually how I met my wife was I was setting up for my first training session at Patton Park here at JFC. Um and this girl was just sitting at the bleachers. Um, then I was like, there's nowhere else there, you know? So I was like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, um, being young, being a little stupid, you know, being confident. And anyways, we started talking and I come to find out, I guess my current wife's uh, younger brother was on the team that I was about to put a session on for, um, the U14 team. And I ended up getting the job with, with, with the club um progressed through the ways ended up marrying the the girl i met in the bleachers who is now my wife um mother to two of our two two girls and and one on the way um and then congratulations yeah thank you and then um and then yeah just kind of worked my way up started started coaching and one day uh, probably about a year or a year and a half in um the current executive director, Pat, and um, a, the president of the club said, hey, uh, there is a league. Uh, it's called the NPSL. It's kicking off. Uh, what do you guys think if we put together a local team and just jump in and play here and see how it goes? And I said, yeah, for sure. You know, after training, we could hang out and play and train, which all the local players always want to do. They're kind of done with, with, the, with, with the pro game or with the college game. And if you think about the talent you have in Jacksonville, that, you know, was, was just unbelievable. 
you know, you had players from everywhere, players that went and played at really good colleges and players that, um, players that, um, played professional. And so we mixed, we put together a mix of guys together and yeah, what one thing led to the other and we ended up winning the league. Yeah. You guys, uh, that first year, 2011, that you're there, it, you guys, uh, went six and four in the regular season, but then just went off and won the whole thing. Yeah. Unbelievable experience too. I mean, I, we were in a three-way tie, um, deciding whether we were going to get to, to playoffs. And so it was out of our control. Uh, I'm not sure if something had to happen with Chattanooga or, or Georgia revolution. Uh, we're at the time in a conference with them. And I'm not sure exactly what happened, but in this three-way tie, we ended up getting through to playoffs. And so we go to playoffs. I think we ended up going to Alabama, um, win the game, come back. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the league wasn't as, um, as big as it is now, I would say, but we found a way to get in. We found a way to clinch a national title and, and, um, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience, not just, I think, for the team, but for the organization here, for the club here, and I think overall the community. Okay. So you were there for about three years, and then uh, it looks like you had a break in your career after Jacksonville United. Uh, I'm assuming you were just coaching at the time, and then all of a sudden a new league jumps off in the NASL um, and got a team right here where you've planted your roots, where you have your family. Um, how, how did it come about that you became part of the Jacksonville Armada? Yeah, so was was playing Jacksonville United. Um, and I think I was at a during the season or right after the season that the old GM, Dario Sala, um, calls me, gives me a call, and he says, hey, what are you up to? And so I know Dario from FC Dallas. He was our goalkeeper. While I was there as a rookie, I thought, you know, really high of him. And he was a good support system for me as well and helped, helped me, even though he was one of the more experienced and older players. He didn't have to do anything that he did, but he was always a helping hand. After training, would stay longer and would help me do some finishing and do some other stuff. And so I was really fond of Dario. And he said, hey, um, there's an opportunity. There might be an opportunity of us putting together a professional team in Jacksonville. And obviously, that was just surreal to hear you know because you know the reason the first the reason why i came to jackson in the first place was because i thought there was a professional team and a lot of soccer being played after watching it in germany on television when the u.s beat germany 3-0 um and so it, it it just felt like a dream come true and he said hey do you want to you're still playing do you want to be part of it and i said well yeah but you know how is it going to work you know what do i have to do what What's going to happen from here? I mean, I need to, I'm not in the best shape right now and I'm not in playing shape, but I can get there. Um, and he said, yeah, you've got time. So the process started and they started holding uh, local tryouts and um, an extension of some, some national tryouts and even some international players that had come in. Um, kind of like a developmental group was put together. And I guess from that developmental group, probably about four or five of us ended up signing for the, for the pro team. Um, so there was, so there, there were us, the, the local players. And then obviously the, the players that they had decided to bring in 
uh, from all over the country as well as uh, the world. With you remember all the people that were the local players? Yep. So Tyler Williams, um, who played at JU with me. Uh, Murden Hustic, who also played at JU, but not with me. Um, played in a, in a younger generation. Uh, Joseph Toby, who also came through um, Wolfson High School and then Flagler. Um, let's see. Joseph, Tyler, Murden, and then, of course, Ramak Safi, who I've known since 2000. I mean, same situation as us who had come in as refugees. You know, myself, Toby, Murden, um, and Remy. Um, I think uh, it was also really cool because there was already a connection there. You know, something that connected us and obviously then the game that connected us um, was really cool. So, yeah, those are the guys. Tommy, um, when I was looking at the career history, it said that you scored one goal, and I hope that's correct. Well, while while you were at the NASL, I hope I mean could be wrong. Maybe you scored one, all the better. But do you happen to recall who your opponent was in that one goal, or or the situation, or anything like that? Yeah, of course. How could I forget? Um, you know, I've I've scored so many goals uh, throughout my career, and for the Armada, I was able to, listen, I don't regret, I mean, I, I wish I had scored more, but scoring one that was so important to not only the community or the club, but also at such an important time of the season, you know, where things could have turned around and changed. Um, it was against the Cosmos. And I got the nod, I, I started. Um, I remember Jaime Castrillon, no. Uh, Scaglia, so uh, I think Scaglia uh, plays the ball into the box. Jaime jumps for it um, and and challenges the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper misjudges, I guess, the call, um, I guess, the, the action. And I was fortunate enough to be at the right time in the right place and put the ball in the net. And to be honest with you, the way I scored most of my goals is just being at the right time in the right place. Um, I think what what made me as a as a player is just purely instinct. That it was never the net never had the biggest attributes, um, the speed, the size, um, this the, the skill, and this and that. But I had good work ethic and I had an instinct um, to score goals. And I think if I had continued to be given opportunities, I probably would have scored more goals. But I'm also I'm also a team player, and whether the season went well or didn't go well, I think you can always reflect and you can always improve things. And I did definitely for my career. Um, and if 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 the career ended after the following season, my biggest takeaways is uh, the reflection on what I could have done better as a player to help my players now. Right? I want to make an impact for or players within the club, within the organization, within the community, and try to give them maybe something or provide an opportunity for them that I didn't have, um, as well as learn and, and impact the game maybe the way I couldn't have, you know? And so probably why I'm, I'm not probably, but is why I'm coaching in the first place. Nice. And Tommy, I, 
I do know there was a game in Atlanta against the Silverbacks that they called an offsides on. You were like, or no, they called a handball. I think it was when it went off your shoulder. So I really think you got cheated out of a second goal there. Um, so I just want to point that out for anyone. If they find the go back, look at the tape. You had two goals, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, that that happened right before. So we were in Atlanta. Um, this the the Silverback game was right before the Cosmo game. So um, I, I was subbed in. The, it it hit my shoulder and my head, or head and shoulder. Uh, was ruled handball. Was definitely not handball. I, I I would admit it by now if it was. Um, but no, and, and unfortunately that wasn't, didn't stand. And then funny enough, the, I think that was almost like a Wednesday game. Funny enough on a Saturday game, um, we had rotated probably why possibly I had started because of the levels, um, because pair rotations and was fortunate enough to score a goal and thought to myself, listen, I, at least I put one in the net, didn't count, put another one in the net that did count. And maybe I get to, uh, get to put some more in the net, but then somehow didn't end up playing the next five games so it wasn't even rostered so decisions that you know that are outside of my control that i wish were different but by no means do i regret them um, or do i regret anything i i learned from everything and continue to learn and, and was I'm, I'm more fortunate that i've that i was able to give back right so yeah i mean it it sounds like you've had, you know, a pretty cool player career so far. Um, you know, and with that experience you transition now to, to your coaching career. Uh you were you were an assistant under the Armada U twenty three, you know, manager Pat Cannon. Uh you became now the manager for U twenty three, which I think uh you know, you're what, the second Armada pro player to have, to have taken on that kind of role since since you've played Aaron Pitchcoin being the other one. Um, you know, can you tell us what it's like working with Pat Cannon, you know, and under his leadership and, and now taking the reins and and having your own your own turn at the team? Yeah, so so grateful um, for him. So he's the one who called me to to, to bring me in, you know, what I guess at the time was first coast kicks, then transitioned to Jackson United. So he was the one who got me into coaching in the first place. Um, I had met him before on an Open Cup team, um, just briefly. And um, yeah, it's just really grateful to be able to to have him be part of my life because not only was he has he been my boss um, and my director and executive director, but also a mentor to me. You know, um, being able to learn from Pat has been fantastic because he's the complete opposite of me. He's a lot more patient. Um, Decision making is is really thorough. And whereas I I was rather the the um, how should I say <laughs> I didn't have a lot of patience always. It was very impulsive and uh, went. Uh, with things on the fly so having pat as a mentor um i learned a lot from him um and you know was was able to turn into the and, and shape me into the coach and person that i am today um and what's even better is that we're still working together so you know being being part of the not only jfc organization but now having him um i'm bringing him 
back into the Armada as well. And so we'll continue to work together, have him on the side with me, um, you know, listen to his advice and consultation. And the best thing about it um, that sometimes, you know, two individuals that are so different, but that think so much alike, you know, from what, how we see the game. And I think that's probably drawn us even closer because, you know, we're like-minded. We want the exact same thing from the game. We want the exact same thing um, for the community, for the players, and for the club. Um, and when we 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 know we're never perfect, but we try to do the best we can and try to make an impact, whether it's on the field, whether it's off the field. Um, but so different, you know, and it's 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 quite funny. But yeah, it's from from a work relationship to mentorship to has something turned into like a friendship now. Right. And so not like, but a friendship now. And, um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to not only work with him, but also call him a friend. So I think, um, it, it's great to hear that about JFC and the community. And there's a, a topic that I wanted to bring up earlier that I actually forgot at the start. And, there's a coach Noom who's been with JFC about a little bit longer than you have that's going through some uh, a difficult time in his family. And I know um, uh, Ramek has started a, a fundraiser for him to raise, and I know they've raised $27,000 when their goal was 2500 recently. Um, can you talk a little bit about Coach Noom, his uh, struggle, and maybe uh, we can get some people over to help donate for him as well? Yeah, that would, that would be unbelievable um so so noom romiamont um who also actually um has three <clears throat> three boys um playing within the club uh, but also within the mls next <clears throat> and an a licensed coach um someone who has helped me through through the years as well um whom i was i've also learned from um uh but it's just a really good human being, family man, um, uh, husband. I think he has five kids. Um, actually, lives in the, in, in the same neighborhood as I do. So every now and then, I, I see him drive by and we stop have a chat. Um, but a really good guy, uh, really positive. You know, whether it's on the sideline in the locker room, tries to bring the best out of players. Um, I, can, I couldn't. I can't speak highly enough of Noom. Sometimes we have our differences, of course, as, as we should, because sometimes through conflict or through disagreement comes, evolves something better, you know, comes a solution. But when we heard um, that he was diagnosed with cancer, it was, it was, it was really tough. Um, he had mentioned it to me, and this is, I want to say, like almost a year and a half now uh, ago. Um, told me he couldn't continue working with the MLS Next group, so he needed to take some time. So we said not a problem at all and, and obviously take as much time as we as you need and we'll take care of the boys and make sure that they're they're in a good spot and situation. But yeah, it became really tough on him. He's got a younger family. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on the condition, but he you know he's he's uh, he's battling it. He's he's come out of it. Um, he's, I guess, the, the the side of things now, but still working through it, right? So, um, is it completely done? No. 
um, but he's 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 feeling a little bit better. Um, there's some side effects to what's going on. There's another situation that keeps popping up, and you know, and I don't know what it is like to go through to what he's going through, but I, I can imagine how difficult it is, and especially having a young family. So, what Remy did was unbelievable. Um, asked the club if or the club support if we could, you know, help him raise some money, and of course, so we did. So, what turned out. Um, just from you know through a club email to go to social media it became I think even bigger and and community wide thing and so his message was shared which was really cool um, and which is really cool to see that so many people care and started donating and giving so you know very humble um, even when they're at their lowest and and at their weakest um, they won't tell you that they need help. Um, but that's what a family is here for, right? and that's what we we stand for as well. And if it's at least a little bit that we could help, um, so you know we will. And what Remy's done was just you know taking another step and taking the action and, and making it um, helping him as much as he can. So we're really appreciative of of, of Remy and making us aware and of Noom allowing us to do that so that we can help him. That, that that's awesome seeing that everyone step up to help someone out within the community and just, uh, just a brother in arms with uh with a coaching and someone you've worked closely with over the past decade or so um transitioning out of that um let's talk about the last couple of years uh you've been the head coach of the armada u23 you've had uh some pretty positive uh results on the field um <clears throat> What what were your expectations going into being the head coach of the Armada U23? Well, the expectations were, yeah, were actually quite simple: is to to bring exciting football back to Jacksonville. You know, and and what I mean by that is. You know, this club and this organization has gone through so much um, to see that people still believe and there's still a, such a strong fan base is, you know, it doesn't happen a lot. If, if uh, you know, at least I don't know of, of many. Um, but so I think the overall goal was to, 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 to do something again that people can come out to and, and watch and, and really just you know, um, uh, not not believe in it, but um, want to come out for it again and again and again. And so if you looked, and, and I'm not sure if, I'm sure you guys are aware, but if you looked, the, the overall was to put, <laughs> to put people back into the seats, you know, the exciting soccer, the, the football that we play, all that is, is a translation from what we do on the field and comes comes back from the game model that pre-existed but also flexibility and the things that way we do things um but overall we want to play exciting football want to put people in a seat and want to give the community and uh the highest level possible within the game so again it goes back to why i came to jackson in the first place is to watch watch the game and be able to watch the game at the highest level and right now the highest level is npsl so for us, it's the mission is quite simple: is um, we don't talk about winning games. We talk about 
being better today than you were yesterday. We talk about KPIs, key performance indicators, and how we can complete more passes, how we can complete more chances, how we can put more balls in the box. And I think if you looked at the trend of the last two years, that's probably why, I wouldn't say probably, it's definitely why um, I think the results have been what they've been. You know, we, we'd sit in the locker room and we never discuss winning. You know, we don't want to lose or we want to win. We must win. We, we never discuss that. And I think that's what, um, that's so special. And uh, Tommy, I think you, uh, I think we can all attest that you pass out with flying colors. I mean, us as fans, supporters, um, this has been some of the most exciting football, even under the pro team, the, the style of play that you guys uh, possess and uh, achieve each week with um, such a high turnover for these uh, these young men has just been phenomenal. And uh, the, it's a testament to the, the discipline that you instill, like on and off the field. And um, we've noticed, too, that when you select players, that it's more of a personality trait versus their actual skill or performance, so to say, um, because you could have the star striker, or, but if, if he's a bad egg in the, in the group, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but if he doesn't gel with the team, then the whole thing comes crashing down. And uh, it's just been beautiful to witness as a, a supporter, as a fan, to see what you guys have been able to achieve in such a short span of time too, because you're literally getting these guys together. Um, some of them have played together, some of them haven't. And uh, just to see the, the performance in such a short time has just been, it's been fascinating and, and amazing as a fan. No, I, I appreciate it. That's that's great to hear. Um, that comes back, I think, to <clears throat> aligning in the way we, be, you know, we carry ourselves as human beings. Um, and there's no right or wrong. Don't 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 you know misunderstand me. I I think there's a place for everyone. But within our place, we do things a certain way. We have standards. Um, we don't we don't have rules. We we don't we, we have. We hold each other accountable, uh, and we have a system in place that is managed by the players, of course, because you have to abide by the standards and the, the routines and the behaviors. But yeah, I think the, what's, what's really important is bringing people in that are good human beings, first and foremost. The, the soccer side can be, can be quite easy, actually. You know, we have such a good staff that can identify good players, right? based on the style of play that we have, based on the, uh, the, the positional um, traits that we need within each player characteristic and positional profile, um, you know, it's, it's easy to see that sometimes. You know, it's, I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but, but it's easier to see that than it is to identify a good human being. So the way we go through the processes can be, can be quite long. You know, sometimes players think that we get on a phone call and we recruit them just to give them um, just to give them information about the team, but but we don't. We actually gauge. We try to better understand what the player, how the player asks questions, how he receives information, um, and how he processes that information. What kind of questions he asks, um, what the player's expectations are, you know. And we always talk to players about. First and foremost, the worst, you know, imagine the coach calls you and says, hey, by the way, I have a roster of 35 or 34, <laughs> you know, and then that player is thinking to himself, well, hold on, when, I, when am I going to play and how, how difficult it's going to be for me to be able to break into their roster, you know, 
Um, but I think through <clears throat> by setting expectations early on, I think we are also not only are they better understanding what our expectations are, but we're actually better understanding the players. And so by no means do we do we do it perfectly, but but you know, we've definitely brought in some players that that maybe didn't fit um the group or didn't fit our beliefs, um, didn't align with our beliefs. Um, and we we reflect on those things, but I think we've done a better job year by year and and, and yeah, and, and we're really looking forward to what seeing what this year is gonna bring. So we're bringing back a lot of the group already, so it'll be interesting. And Tommy, just something that you touched on earlier that I think is a, a key to the success of the city, um, the support and the growth of the sport here has just been the diversity, both on as the players come from different backgrounds and whatnot, as well as the supporters. I mean, even amongst ourselves, we're very diverse from the Central South American Latin flavor of football to the European um, to American, you know, so I, I think that's uh, seeing that on the pitch represented too brings people from all different walks of life. And I think that's been a, a very um, crucial part of the success of the sport and the growth in the, the country and to our city. So, Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, I think that's probably what makes us so strong, right? It's the different backgrounds that we have and everyone bringing something special to the table, you know, and not only did they bring something special to the table, I think that the players that we bring in want to showcase what that specialty is um, and why they represent their hometowns, why they represent their country the way they do, but also how they buy into the system and then represent Jacksonville and the Armada. It's so important. It's obviously evident. You know, um, you guys, you know, you're supporting us the way you guys have has them completely bought in you know if 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 you ask any of these players hey what's what are some of the most favorite things that you love about uh or some of the things that you love about the armada is they'll tell you section 904 you know they'll tell you the fan base um because you don't see that very often and you definitely don't see it with everything and the hardships that that the armada has gone through you know and so why our our, our mission is so important is to to put people back in their stands and make people believe again is exactly that. If we don't play a good style of football, if we don't, if we don't put a good product in the field, you know, it's is it really exciting to come out to watch? Am I really, really going to want to spend time? Is this team really going to win? But by being able to do so, we are able to to win games and get further each year and maybe go even all the way this year. You know, who knows? That time will tell, and game by game, we'll we'll see. But that's really what it's about. It's just creating excitement. So, Tommy, just to backtrack on the roster management, um, two years ago when we're coming out of the COVID season, you guys uh, had about 30 – you guys have consistently had about 30 players on the roster, a little north of that. Um, but in 2021, you had about 14 uh, Gulf Coast games. 2022, you had 12 in-season games. And this next year, you're, there's only going to be 10 regular season games how does that um affect your uh, roster management and your style um yeah i mean we'll we'll definitely adjust i mean we're not necessarily taken off by 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 one of the organizations um exiting um we're actually i'm working currently on on some friendly games with some some pro teams as well and see what comes about and 
You know, it might be a trip to Savannah, it might be a trip to Orlando, it might be a trip to Miami, it might be a trip to Atlanta. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. It I'm just clearing my schedule now. <laughs> it just depends. But, you know, not only not only is it a great opportunity for the fan base and to be in that environment and play against a pro team, that's obviously what we want. We'll, we'll see if we can get there, if the schedules align with, with those organizations, but also an experience for, for the players. So having a, uh, having a big roster... Um, partially is due to knowing how the summer season works. Um, and something I've done, there's a, there's a clear connection between what I do for JFC and then obviously how I operate and how that translates into the Armada is the connection I have with, with some of the college coaches uh, from within the country. Um, having good relationships with those college coaches allows me to build trust and then people come to you and say, hey, I have a player from here. Hey, I have a player from there. And I think he would really fit and I would really enjoy if he played with you. Um, I think the reason why they, they, the college coaches also trust us is because we think about the player first. We want the player to get better. We want the player to walk away from our experience within the summer, a better player actually, and not burned out. So partially... And there are several reasons, but partially why we have a heavy roster is that we manage that roster game by game. We rotate players so that players can peak, uh, not necessarily as soon as they're done, but going to their preseason ready, you know, ready to make an impact. Because if we think about what the Armada U23s uh, is, is for, right? If, if you think about it, it's to develop players for the pro team, right? Well, currently we don't have a pro team. But that doesn't mean in the next couple of years we're not going to have one, right? So if we have a pro team in the next couple of years, we're already setting ourselves up for success because we've identified players that can play within the constraints of that league, um, with, with with you know with with other pro players, and that you know can not only break into the team but make an impact on the team, and so. Being able to bring in so many good players from so many different backgrounds, from so many different schools within the within the country, allows us to have a bigger talent pool, allows us to have a bigger selection so that when we're ready to go back to pro, um, we can make better decisions overall as well. That That is great to hear that uh, it's it's great for the players, great for the club and actually really good for the schools as well. So um, quick question for you. Um, we do know a few players won't be part of the 2023 season. Um, we know Elijah won't be here, um, Ethan Dudley and Alex, to name a few, which they were probably considered some leaders in the locker room. Um, is there specific players you're looking for in this upcoming season to fill that leadership void, or is that something that just naturally takes shape in the locker room? That's a great question. Yeah, you know, you every every environment is a little bit different. The way we treat ours is a lot of um, things happen organically, you know, and, you know, whether you're coaching the youth or whether you're coaching pros, at the end of the day, you're trying to make players happy. Well, players are happy when they're also not constricted to, to every decision on the field, when they are given the freedom to be expressive on the field. And for them to be expressive on the field, um, I believe they have to be expressive in the locker room they have to be expressive outside of the environment and and i think we don't we definitely don't want to take away from their creativity so most of the time 
um, I'll tell you that that happens quite organically. You know, leaders are, you know, leaders identified by their peers, leaders identified by their teammates. So that when we go in as a staff and we go, hey, you know, let's, let's finalize this and let's ask this person first if he even wants to be a leader without even having to select one. Um, I think we already, it's, it's, it makes our job easier because they see a void, they see a gap and they want to fill that gap and those leaders will step up and it's no different from the game. When the game becomes um, hard, you need leaders to step up to make a difference. So if we make that selection for them and choose that, make that decision for them, then they're probably not going to step up during the game either. Nice. So before we let you out of here, uh, we have some fun questions for you, Tommy. And we actually got some help uh, from some fans. Uh, first one from Jaguar Nick. Who was better in their prime, Tommy K or Luka Modric? In their prime? No, I wish I could say Tommy K, but no, Luca is uh, Luca is Luca is uh, unbelievable. I was watching a game today against Chelsea, and he's uh, probably had the worst game I've ever seen from him. And they win, what was it, two three zero? I had to I had to look away because I was support Chelsea. So, <laughs> so no, they're uh, he's he's unbelievable. Um, it's definitely definitely Luka Modric. And I have another question. This one's from at Ian Ferguson, who I'm sure has at least introduced himself to you before. He's pretty memorable. I debated whether or not I should do Ian's accent when when asking this one, but I think I'll pass. Uh, He asks, opinions vary on whether having had a playing career is a help or a hindrance to a coach. And what do you feel is your best strength as a coach? And do you think it comes from playing? Or from something else? Um, oh, that's a good question. So, I think I was fortunate enough to to go through a really good education system on how to plan for training sessions, for games um, within the educational system with US Soccer and and even U- UEFA now, um, but. I would say that it's a mix of things. Um, you know, I've, I was also really fortunate enough and to to have gone and seen, been on so many trials. So during my college season and, and even before college, I was in Freiburg, I was in Kaiserslautern, I was in um, Zadar, I was in Osijek, I was in Basel, I was in Zurich, I was in uh, I was in so many different play, places, even in the United States and. Not so much that I wanted to try and make the team right then and there. It was more so for the experiences, you know, staying, you know, in the summer, it was tough to do, to do certain things, but being able to give and be given that, ex- that, that experience, I think kind of for me seeing what works and what doesn't work has, has really helped me shape me. Um, and therefore the, the culture I want to see from within the group um, or creating the culture that we want to see from within the group, uh, but also how we want to go about the game. I've seen some really good things. I've seen some really bad things. I've seen some things that we didn't like at all. I've seen some really, really good uh, things that I, that, I, that I still to this day implement. Um, there's a saying, what, what you don't see, you don't know. Um, and and it's, it's, uh, 
it's 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 it, it works right and so the more you see the more you know um the more you open your eyes to things and i think reflecting on on it all probably what not my biggest strength is but probably what i enjoy the most is the player connection you know because i've been a player i've been a player when it when it went well i've been a player when it's gone bad um i've seen both sides of it um i've been on the bench i've been in the starting 11 I've scored goals, I didn't score goals, you know, and making those experiences has helped me better understand players I work with, whether they're 19, uh, 20, 21, 23, some even now 26, 27, if you think about the Open Cup. um, I think that player connection is, like I said, not only a strength, but it's something I really, really enjoy. And yeah, I just try to bring the best out out of the players, best I can. Good stuff. So, Tommy, we've covered some serious topics tonight, but um, I'm going to have to ask one serious question, and it's, does pineapple belong on or off pizza? On. <laughs> Not you, Derek. We know you eat it. With... <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you that it depends on where you are. Ah, half glass half full kind of guy, eh, Tommy? <laughs> way, way to play the, like the political neutral there. <laughs> he, he he knows what will happen to his Twitter if he uh, if he says the wrong thing. Good man, good man. Uh, pineapple mafia uh, gonna come for him. <laughs> I'll tell you that I've eaten I've, I love pineapple ham pizza, especially here. Uh, you know, and why I say probably depends on where you are because not everyone makes it the same way, no. Not everyone can make a pizza back from Croatia the same way here, and not everyone can make a pineapple ham back in Croatia. So fair play. Depends, fair depends play. on where you are. You know, people are going to listen to this podcast, and as soon as we end this, they're going to just light up Tommy because his his take on pineapple on pizza. So, but Tommy. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you uh, for everything that you do. You are an absolute legend that has that is just represents Jacksonville one hundred percent. There is uh, no nicer guy I think that represents the city and the club better than you. Um, maybe Stuart uh, Weber. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, for sure, uh, for sure. He, he, that that guy's a pretty nice guy too, but you, you are an absolute legend and thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate everything you do and good luck on the upcoming season. Thank you. And, and, and thank you for, for not only having me on, on, on this show, but also for you guys' continued support. We wouldn't be who we are without you guys. We're all in this together, one big family and, and, Again, win, lose, or tie, it doesn't matter. I know I know, we all want to win, but at the end of the day, um, it's what happens in the field and how we connect on the field. So if we can give you guys the game that you guys want to keep coming back for, then half job done. Yes, sir. And everyone, go check out Coach Nooms. We're going to post that. Um, we're going to provide a link to his GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Go help support someone in the community. There's no one better than him. All right, take care, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing that as well. Cheers, gentlemen.